And the topic for today is how can I create an ongoing process for improvement and learning? That is what we're going to talk about today to see how can we create these different elements, these different points of interaction, so it actually becomes an ongoing process for our team. Welcome to the Power Hour, your hour where you can find out what is holding you back, your hour where you can find things where you can be better, your hour where you find new ways how you can lead your team to success, or your hour where you can have a breakthrough and do things totally differently. This is your Power Hour with me. I am Coach Colin and I am the skipper on your journey in mastering your leadership. So let's get started. So why are we having this Power Hour today? Of course, it's about learning. And if we have a look at the definition here of learning, we can say that learning is the acquisition of knowledge, skills or experience resulting in new behavior. And perhaps you found this topic around creating a process of improvement or learning interesting because, you know, it could be that you are already planning this and trying to plan this or you really have the desire to do it and you're wondering how. Perhaps you've even tried it and during the course of putting the sequence together and testing it and trying to focus on coaching, perhaps you sort of were gliding back into operational discussions and talking about targets instead. Or maybe you're just confused about the whole idea of having a sequence because in the performance management, it doesn't really appear like a sequence and you're wondering, what should it be in the basis? Well, being confused, of course, is not a good state to be because when you're confused, you don't take any decision. So together, we're going to sort this out. <laughs> we're going to sort this out. And what we're going to do today is actually we're going to see what mindset we need when thinking about learning in general. And we want to understand where we can find the sequence of learning because that sequence of learning, it just doesn't come out of the air. We have to find it somewhere. And of course, we want to know what we need to focus on so that we can create such a sequence. And finally, I have a five-step tool to boost your sequence of learning with your team and to really get things moving. Now, I was, I was a while ago, we were thinking about learning and which of course I do in my daily job. And there were so many things that actually pay, played part in this learning experience, so many elements. And we actually started making a competence inventory where we were thinking about what is really required 
And we started making this huge list of product knowledge, of engineering skills, of technology competence, of competitor knowledge and machining experience and technical know-how and social skills played a role and also personal efficiency was part of it, CAD designing skills somebody put on the list and other people added time management, IT and software tools had to be there and team skills and planning skills and actually the list was quite extensive, became pretty, pretty long and it, it, we had to stop the discussion because otherwise it would have just continued and continued. Anyway, what we had been discussing then afterwards was also the fact that we, we, had, we had to distinguish between what were the different elements here. Because first of all, there is the element of acquiring knowledge. And you can do this through books and courses, of course, like we are doing, or you can you can go and, and study things at university. And that is sort of the basic level where you know things. And then the second level is you want to start to develop skills, which means that on that knowledge, you want to reflect and start creating combinations of your know-how to, to see if you can create different conclusions. And you still do this quite rationally and, and uh, for yourself, but then you have to come into a phase where you have to start testing and practicing to develop the confidence about new behavior because the skills that you might theoretically know about, you really have to put them into action. That is where you, you find out, you know, you start to literally practice these things your fingers have to learn your brain has to learn and to make new connections new words new conclusions has to form and then once when you do this then you have to take this behavior out into real life where you start applying this new behavior where you start gathering experience and everything that you do actually you do for one reason and that is that you want to achieve different results than you've had before. You do that learning process so that you can be, become more performant in real life. And that means two things. First of all, you want to go through all these five steps or four steps actually, because the fifth step is where you want to be, which is the result, which means you want to go through the step of acquiring knowledge, developing and reflecting on skills, on testing and practicing behavior and applying new behavior behavior you want to go through these steps so that you can become competent and it also means that depending on where you are in your development perhaps you don't need the knowledge perhaps you have it perhaps you already have the understanding and the skills how everything connects and all you need to do is start practicing let me give you an example because um, we were on holiday in France this year, which was a great place because I love France. And one of the one of the big things I love about France is, of course, the food. And <laughs> if you've ever been to France, one of the great places to go is, of course, a French bakery because they have croissants. Now, other countries, they also make croissants. And, you know, 
you can go to a French bakery and you can have a croissant for breakfast. And this is what we do literally every morning when we're there, we're there in France. And you can imagine this picture here with the croissants where you can buy them. And oh, it's just amazing. And the, the smell, even already the smell outside of the of the bakery before you get in is, is quite amazing. And what we were wondering, actually, when we were looking at different types of bakeries is that, well, what results are they producing with their croissants? Because my daughter said immediately, well, I can bake croissant. We said, okay, great. Let's take that idea back home to see how we can use that. Because if you start thinking about how a baker makes croissants, they want to achieve a certain result so that people buy them. And we were thinking, of course, the smell must be something that you choose a croissant of uh, by, because if it doesn't smell nice, I mean, or if it doesn't smell at all, nobody will notice that they're croissants freshly baked. This, um, the, 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 the eye, of course, is going to choose the croissant, whether they look nice, whether they look fresh. And of course, you would want to see whether they've got large ones because you don't want tiny, small croissants. You want really a nice big one. And of course, when you take it home, Oh, the flavor of the croissant is, is just amazing. When you put a little jam and butter on it, it's wow. Last weekend, we were spending some time talking about our holidays again. And my daughter said she had been studying how to make croissants. And she had discovered that actually to make croissants, you have to create two different types of pastry and sort of weave them on top of each other. And one level of pastry has got a lot of butter and the other level of pastry has got less butter. That is what creates this, this fluffy creation of, of the pastry. And then we started thinking about, I mean, just, you know, on a dark Sunday afternoon here in Sweden, we started to think about, well, what would it be like to have actually a bakery in France? And we started this discussion and we suddenly realized, well, baking a croissant or a couple of croissants is actually quite different to having to run a bakery. Because when you want to run a bakery, you don't only have a couple of croissants. Actually, you have to have croissants every morning, which means that somebody has to bring in a supply of croissants and the other, uh, the other goods as well. So it requires different things. So the results that we are thinking about, in one case, it might be looking at baking a few croissants, or it might be creating a whole delivery of croissants, or it might even be running a shop. So the first thing that I realized here when we're thinking about coaching people and Developing, developing people to achieve better results, the first thing that we want to be aware about is, well, what is really the result we want to achieve? In that sense that coaching a work-related topic is coaching something that is worth improving with the purpose of achieving, a better, of achieving better results. Now, what results then are you really looking at? So before you ever start a development and training and learning program, you have to think about what is it, the result I'm trying to improve. And this is what we then had 
we thought, well, which results do you or your team need to improve? Well, for the first level of results, of course, for us and business, it's understanding the technical needs and gathering and driving our opportunities and closing the deal. That is the first thing that we want to achieve. That's what we do every day. But then there is another level because we want to grow and develop sales in our area. We want to choose between customers and we want to qualify business profitability. That's that's more like, you know, dealing with customers every day, many people coming into my shop. But then we also discover there is another level, which means effective management of a sales team, like working with goals and strategies and the process and the people. You see, whenever we talk about developing ourselves or developing our people, we immediately have to connect to which level of results are we trying to improve? Are we trying to improve the opportunities, the business, or is it our management? So let's take a look at, if we think about our business, what we know, let's take a look at the, at our sales process, because this is really where it it comes down to what we should be doing. Because in our sales process, you realize, and this is the course that many of you had been doing, you realize that we've got the eight steps of our sales strategy and the sales process, which means that we choose um, the priority customers, we validate the account plans, we implement the plans, and we search and analyze for the customer needs, we explore and agree on the priorities, we coordinate the Seiko offer, we offer the value and close the deal and we follow up on the efforts and the results. This is what we are doing all the time. So this is our process. And the question is now, if we think about our team, what is the kind of results that I would like to improve? So let's take another look at what is really worth improving. And you realize, of course, if you put this whole process aside, what is really worth improving is the result in sales, the revenues, how much we're earning, and of course, how long it takes to earn all that. So that is really what is worth improving. So now you can start thinking about, but wait a second, Colin, well, if I want to improve revenues, in which one of the steps of the sales strategy and the sales process can I have an impact to increase my revenues? And that is exactly where you should start thinking with your team if you choose revenues to be the next big thing that you want to improve. Because it could be that you're trying to improve the efficiency in your team, which means that you want to do things faster, which means that in that case, there are other things that you want to focus on to improve the result. So then you can have a discussion with your team that would be around the following question. And you can just imagine, and actually in your next team meeting, you could ask that question deliberately and ask them, you or yourself, what impacts your result? Or what do you control yourself? And you start brainstorming around a list and you find that, well, what impacts your result you would have the customers, the markets, the competitors. But then when you start thinking about 
what do you control yourself? You suddenly realize, wait a minute, it is my technical competence. It is my ability to understand my customer. It is my social skills or my, my ability to be agreeable or even my relationships. So there is a difference between the things that, that impact the results and the different things that I can control myself. And naturally, you will easily see that you only want to boost those elements where you control it yourself. So that is why that question, when you start making that list, that question is quite different because now it is very much focusing on, well, what is really the effectiveness in our sales process so that we can really get the maximum of our revenues? Or on the other side, what is really the efficiency in our sales process so that we get the revenues as quickly as possible? If you then think about what do you what development process and what training and learning you would need to boost that result, you will find different answers. And that is really where it starts. So that means that if you think about what creates your sales result and what are performance areas that impact the result, you will always want to make the difference whether you're trying to increase revenues or whether you're trying to increase efficiency and trying to make things faster. Now, we have spent some time here around the level of an opportunity to think about, well, let's just focus on an opportunity. What really then impacts the result of an opportunity? And when we did that, we found that there were four, we call them performance areas that impact an opportunity. And you might want to draw this picture down because that is quite fascinating because these performance areas, these are something that you would judge an opportunity by. Whether it is a good opportunity or whether you would criticize the opportunity. It is like the croissant. You would judge the croissant based on certain criteria. And that is why we could offer you here an idea of what would those criteria be. You will recognize them immediately, but it is worthwhile being aware of them all the time. Because, first of all, you would want to understand, well, what is in your portfolio? What is the person bringing a home as a technical solution that you're trying to achieve? That is quite obvious. We're very technical focused. And, of course, we, we love to find technical solutions. And that is exactly where it starts, which means that, does the person have everything in place when it comes to gathering information, um, analyzing the information, taking the decisions? Does the person have everything in place to ensure that we would win the solution on a technical level? That's how you would judge that, that opportunity. That's one area where you would judge this opportunity. But there are more. Let's have a look at the second area. The second area in which you would judge the opportunity is, of course, the, the value that the person brings home. The, in, in the, the value of the opportunity, the, reven, the potential revenue. Is it really worth focusing on this opportunity in relationship to the goal that you are having? Which means, are there bigger opportunities to follow up? Are you following up on smaller ones? That would be part of the judgment as well. 
The third thing that you would typically be looking at, and perhaps you're not spending so much time looking at that at the beginning while the opportunity is developing, but I'm quite sure you'll be looking at it at the end because you will be thinking and trying to create a picture around, well, how well will you be able to defend the value of this opportunity against the competitors, the criticism, the restriction that the customers have, and by knowing what the customer really needs and having an understanding of what the customer really needs, you know that you will be able to defend the value of your opportunity. So already at an early stage, you will have the opportunity to... Um, so, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of talk about opportunities, but at very early stage of this process, you will have the... Uh, the ability to judge whether you will be able to defend the value of this opportunity or not. And finally, of course, you will be judging around the efficiency of this opportunity in the sense of, do you push it through the process quick enough? Is Are you dropping the ball? Are you losing time? Are there extra resources that have to be put in? And these types. Are there meetings that have to be picked, done and, and reviewed again because certain information was missing? So these are the four areas that you would judge an opportunity by. By what is the technical solution in the basket? What is it you're bringing home as a value? How would you defend the value of this opportunity? And how efficiently are you in doing this? And now immediately you can also see, but Wait a second, if this is about increasing the revenues on one side and reducing or improving the efficiency on the other side, I can make different choices in these four performance areas that will lead to quite a different um, development program. And that development program will be much more accurately tailored to what that person really needs. So let's have a look at that in total, what that means. Which means that this there is a competence stream behind every one of these four areas, which has to be fulfilled. And the first area, which you can which you know by now, is to understand the real needs to win with our technical solution. We have to there are certain things that have to happen. You have to understand the technical requirements. You have to ask for the te technical requirements. Sorry, I've already got the sequence there wrong, which means I have to be able to ask for the technical requirements. I have to understand the technical requirements. I have to be able to compare the technical requirements against potential competitive technical solutions. And I want to, of course, have the approval from the customer that the technical solution would be feasible. See, there are a sequence of technical understanding that has to be in place to ensure that we will actually win on a technical base. I want to judge on the second one. I want to judge the commercial value before I take a decision to invest all the way. And of course, I want to value the uniqueness, defend and communicate our value to make sure that everything that we're putting in, we're actually earning the reward and we're getting paid for it. And finally, of course, I want to make sure that the person is actually optim optimal in um, self-optimization and using all the tools that we have, the software tools, the, the calculation tools and the databases so that the person is more efficient. And we want to be optimal in all these four areas because then we know that we are 
we can achieve different results and we can improve the performance stream. But we're not going to do it all at once, are we? Because that would be very confusing. What we really want to do is we want to be a little selective. So that is why I'm going to ask you now, and you can put your answer in the chat window here very quickly, um, because the question is quite, it's a yes and no question. You only have to write yes and no. But the question is quite simple now. What do you need to improve first? Is it the revenue or is it the time you're spending in getting the opportunities home? What do you think? Write it down in your chat window and I can do a little poll here. Where do you think? Where do you want to spend more time? Is it increasing the revenues or is it reducing the time spent on the opportunities? Is it the revenues or is it the time? And there's no right and wrong answer. You just have to make up your mind. Here's the first one coming in. Time. We want to be fast and doing our things. Great. Here's another one coming in. It is on the revenues. Surprise. You want to grow the revenues. That is great. Another one is coming in here on time. And a third one is on time. Great. And I see a fourth one. It is on revenues again. I want to grow my business. You see, you're all right. Because depending on where you stand in your process, remember that Björn Rosengren, our president, uh, said that first of all, you want to look at stability. And then you want to look at productivity. And depending on where you are, what maturity you have with your team, you might find that Growing revenues is great. That is where you want to be. Or you want to be more productive in ensuring that you are faster in finding the revenues and closing the deals. All is very reasonable to think about because it all depends on where you are with your team and how mature is how mature your market is. So Having asked you this question, um, this might be a good opportunity also to, if you have any further questions, to write a question into the chat window. And I will keep an eye on the chat window. And of course, I'll pick up the questions and answer them as we go forward. And in the meantime, while you're thinking about a question, I am going to pick up a question which I got by mail the other day. And I will answer it for you because I think this is a very important one for all of us. And here's the question. Dear Coach Colin, feedback, coaching, training and development, this is all so confusing. And most of the time, we talk about operational issues, actions, tasks, results. And even in the um, performance management process, we are still focusing on the operational side. And we don't really create a process for learning. What should I do? Signed, confused. Well, this would be my answer, dear confused. I mean, first of all, we would want to distinguish very clearly between what is feedback, what is coaching, and what is training and development. Because these are quite different things. And you as a manager, you want to use them in quite different situations. So let's think about feedback first. Feedback is when you comment on a situation where you think that an action um, should be changed or a behavior should be corrected. 
But you always have to ask uh, yourself the question, does the person who you want to correct in that moment, does that person really know what is expected? What do you expect from this person? Because this is sometimes the situation that when you start even giving feedback and commenting on things, people say and give you pushback and say, I didn't know anything about it and why are you criticizing me? I couldn't do any better because I didn't know any better. So here's an alternative. First of all, always think about giving appreciation on good behavior, on good actions all around so that people who even feel that they're not doing this type of behavior, they might be able to copy it. Wouldn't that be great if you were sharing and appraising good behavior publicly, like in, like in a meeting when somebody did something great and somebody else sees that and then they copy that behavior. This is the way how you foster good behavior in a team. And what you really want to do instead, if you then want to address a behavior that you would want to change, you could move to coaching because you can develop an understanding about what expectation you had and you can develop in this coaching conversation, you can develop the gap between your expectation and the other person's behavior and then you just ask to contribute with ideas how to close that gap. So it is not feedback, it is not criticism whatsoever, it is just a coaching conversation around, okay, this is what I would expect to see and this is what I saw yesterday. How could we change this? And all of a sudden, you're in a coaching conversation. So what about coaching then? In coaching, one of the things that we have to learn, and perhaps you're doing it, and if you're like myself, I have to keep reminding myself to do is do this more and more, because I need to withhold to share my experience when I'm not asked to share it. I mean, unsolicited advice is never really welcome, is it? I mean, just imagine if your manager was um, always sharing his or her experience with you, you wouldn't really like it. Instead, you would want to clarify what the overall goal of the person's development should be in this area. Like finding milestones. Yeah, If you have got a development goal that you would like to be more assertive, then you would want to agree on key milestones, steps to get there, after which you can say, now you're more assertive. And that could be um, an observation that in a certain situation, which is tough, like a price negotiation, it could be a role play around price negotiation. It could be that you do specific learning courses. It could be that you do coaching and support during the whole process. But the thing is, you stand for the process and guide the and support the person all the way, which means that you already decide right from the beginning, those three, four, five steps during the course of this development process. So this is not a one time off. This is a process of steps and you with your, with your employee, you agree on the steps that you need to take and you take them together. Which means that when we come to coaching and development, it's not that you like, like that happens very often in the performance development 
um, template that you that you just add a course there under further development. No, no, it's not that. Or it's not even asking them uh, around, well, what course would you fancy to go on? No, no. Instead, like with the coaching, you want to agree on the gaps of competence that together you would want to fill to become more efficient or more effective in reaching the goals. What is it then? Is it increasing the revenues or is it increasing the efficiency? Is it more on the technical side? Is it more on judging the value and the revenue of the of the opportunity before you spend time? Is it more around defending the value of the opportunity? Is it more about being being efficient? You see, you would want to single out those areas where it becomes more important to focus on. And focus makes the difference. And finally, like with coaching and with training and development, you would want to help the person to, tr to take this transition of the new behavior and the knowledge that they have gathered into new behavior so they can take it into real life. So you see there is quite a difference between feedback, coaching and training and there is a lot of interaction. Feedback preferably be, I would say, create that difference so that you can, that difference of expected behavior so that you can take a coaching conversation. And when you take a coaching conversation, plan a coaching conversation the next time so that you can talk around the wider gaps that you would like to close. The next step in efficiency, the next step in increasing revenue. So they make a plan around these things. Then you've got an integrated coaching and development program. So let's have a look at that in detail because now we're, when we're talking about about performance. I mean, the, the biggest thing about having a performance review and talking around performance management is that the other person, there's always in the back of their head, there's the feeling of somebody's going to judge me. And when that happens, of course, they're always on the toes and always on, you know, on the defensive. But if you play it right, coaching is not judging. So how can we create this the sequence of steps to develop performance in a, in a person. And we have been talking about this a couple of times and I really would like to pinpoint now in a five-step model so that you can see exactly which are the steps you're going to go through. And when you have this five-step module, you suddenly realize that it is quite simple for one thing. And when you do these things, you're not going to fall onto... Um, the area where you talk around operational things. No, no, this is really around the training and development things. Because the first thing that you would want to create is a baseline. And without a baseline, and it starts actually, this is going to be five letters there, and you might want to take a piece of paper and write um, B-O-O-S-T on the right-hand side of your lines which is going to spell out boost because this is going to boost your development program with your team, with your individual. And the first one is it's about creating a baseline. Why is the baseline important? Well, if you don't know from where you start, you don't know what improvements you're going to make. So if you don't know how far you can jump, how do you know that jump training is going to help? 
So this type of baseline you can create by doing joint visits, by doing some kind of self-reflection, by doing dedicated role play that we can offer standardized role play with observations around specific areas like how do you secure the technical requirements? How do you defend on the value? You can create a baseline around these types of performance areas so that you can have a full understanding with the individual around, well, where do we start the journey? And then, of course, the next thing that you would want to create is, is something which is the next step, which means, well, what is really, if you know where your baseline is and you think ahead, like three months, six months through a progress, what would be the optimal performance here? And this is where you can brainstorm it, that, that, is, that is no judgment behind it because you can easily agree, okay, we all understand where the baseline is. So let's draw the next line, the optimal performance in this area. That, that doesn't matter if we don't, if we're not there yet, because that is why we're going to work together to reach that next step. So that is where we have the baseline and that is where we've got the optimal performance. And then you can take the next one, the next O, which is the option which is the optimal, where do you think we're going to start? Because there is, for many people, there is one obvious step where you want to start with training, with coaching, whatever it is going to be. But it's the dialogue between you two that is going to make the difference. But then, and this is where you would want to make an effort in closing the boost process, the boost steps, because you want to create a sequence of steps because if the person says, well, I want to do training around um, being more assertive, well, great. Now you've done the training, assuming you have done the training, what is going to happen next? Because you know that you will want to not only know about what makes somebody assertive, you want to have the skills to understand what are the options, how you can react in which assertive way. You want to practice these types of things so that you can have the behavior and you want to have certain experiences to show and in real life to use this assertiveness type of behavior. And these steps you would want to plan with your employee and put them into the calendar. So that is the final step of the final T of the BOOST um, acronym here. You want to ensure the timing. You want to plan that learning. How long are you going to take to learn about what you need to know? How long are you going to, you know, think about it, reflect around it, draw your own conclusions? How many weeks are we going to practice these things? Where are we going to practice these things? What type of role play are we going to create? How are we going to implement them? When are you going to use this, this new acquired competence in a situation where you have to experience it and where you have to lead yourself through these types of things? When you manage that, now you're boosting the development. Now you're creating a sequence that boosts the competence forward of your individual because it covers the whole learning process. And together, that is the fine part around boosting, um, boosting their development because it will also boost your result because you're, together you're investing to boost a certain area in their competence where you are going to have an improvement on. And that improvement is not on their competence. That improvement is on the results 
because that is why we need to do this. And that is why we're looking for competence improvements that boost the results. Because competence improvements that just improve competence, let's face it, they are a waste of time. So it is your connection where you say, this is what is going to boost our revenues, or this is something that we're going to learn because it's going to boost our efficiency. And together, we're going to make sure that we do this development. So we see how we can use the BOOST acronym. And the beautiful thing around these things is when you just write BOOST on a piece of paper, on a piece of paper, you know that you have to take it right to the end. Start with a baseline, discuss and agree on what is the optimal level of performance, find the option where to start, create the steps to move forward all the way and time them put them into the plan, make sure that you are there and support your team member in boosting their competence so that you can boost your performance. So if there are any questions, of course, I am very happy to take the questions right now. All you have to do is, of course, press the green button or write questions into the chat. We're always ready to answer questions and have a little dialogue. I hope you find the BOOST acronym very useful so that you really make sure that you keep all these steps because this is for you. This is how you boost the development and the performance within your team. Moving forward, we have this year one more power hour. And for that one, I would like to um, pinpoint a very special power hour next Monday at the same time, where I have um, a special guest and we're going to change the topic. And our special guest is Norbert König, our VP from Asia Pacific. And he's going to talk about how can we create goals that really matter. Goals that have an impact on your result so that people see how they can contribute. And at the end of the year, what more could be interesting for you to understand really how do I create goals that matter and goals that have an impact on my results. And with that, I'm going to close today with a proverb saying, slow progress is always better than no progress. So please stay positive and never give up on sharing the progress you see. Thank you very much for today. I hope you enjoyed the Power Hour. And remember, next Monday at the same time, a very special Power Hour with Norbert König, my special guest here on your Power Hour. This was the Power Hour with me, Coach Colin, the skipper to your leadership. And if you found something interesting during this Power Hour, why not just go over and press like or even share it with one of your peers because we all want to be better and it is very rewarding to see other people getting better around us. And if you have any questions about this Power Hour or around leading your team to success, just private message me, text me, get in touch with me on Facebook or send me an email. Because always remember, 
I am Coach Colin, and I am here to help you master your leadership. 